listening to the Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. Consistency is important. Doing the same exercise, eating the same foods, doing the same meditation, and even doing the same work every single day can cause boredom and stagnation in your energy flow. Choose one small thing in your life that you haven't changed in a very long time and boldly change it. Introducing variety in our lives through bold change increases creativity, allows for flexibility, and adds back the wonderful element of surprise. Today's healthy tip has been brought to you by Organic Soul Chef Medea Allen. To learn more about my services, visit OrganicSoulChef.com. Now, 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 back to the keys. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother You know, you know, Brother James, uh, Medea was just talking about adding variety to your life. Maybe variety is one of those seven keys to a near-perfect marriage. Well, we're going to find out very shortly, but I do know one thing, and I know one thing for sure, that the world needs more love. In fact, they need more black love. So we, it is our honor and our privilege to bring forward <laughs> Two magnificent people 
who have been working very, very close to one another to help us to uh, have a more uh, have more love in our life, and that is Brother Marcus and uh, Sister Cecilia. Their mic is live. Let's welcome you on the keys once again. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum. Well, All right. Well, we are glad you're on board with us today. So I do know that many of our listeners may already have an idea who who the you two are, but there are those who are in our listening audience may be tuning in for the first, the second, or the third time and have yet to meet your acquaintance. So I want to say to the listening audience, we're going to take a moment to get introduced to Brother Marcus and Sister Cecilia and tell us a little bit about your marriage keeper, and uh, so we can begin this dialogue on the seven keys to a near-perfect marriage. Go right ahead, family. Tell us a little about yourself. We are very honored, first and foremost, uh, to be a part of your program tonight, my dear brother and sister. We are very happy to be back uh, with the keys. Uh, We had a wonderful time with you all the last time we were here. And we're just honored that you would have us back on your program tonight. Uh, the Brother Marcus and Sister Cecilia, um, our team, is uh, uh, your team of brothers and sisters who just go uh, throughout the country trying to promote uh, positive and healthy marriages uh, throughout the nation uh, among our brothers and sisters. Uh, and certainly we are very interested in our single population as well because we are trying to help them get into the process of marriage. And uh, every time we refer to marriage, we're going to remind you that it's a process. The Honorable Louis Farrakhan has been very clear and very straight with us that this is not a cakewalk because you said I do. This is a process, and uh, because it is, we try to help uh, our brothers and sisters through innovative and creative programming to really gain skills because this is not your father's Oldsmobile. You can't expect to be successful in a 2016 marriage and you don't have any skills any more than your father had, any more than your mama had. You know, you're going to need to update your skill base if you expect to be successful in this day and time with uh, with the uh, spouse uh, that's coming out of this world. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. So, Brother Marcus, your uh, your wonderful wife, Sister Cecilia, as well. How long have you been doing this? And um, just um, what to give us a little understanding of some of the things that you have done to really help couples um, make a better way with their marriage. Well, by last grace, we uh, uh, one of the things that uh, yes is unique is because uh, Brother Marcus. Before we started this, Brother Marcus was a train uh, and is really still by last grace a trainer for over 20 years, and he really focused on giving people interactive things to do. So no matter the subject, the participants they're not just sitting and listening, but they're actively doing things and during the workshop, whether it's communication, whether it's finances, we do uh, the group workshops where it's singles or married couples either uh, going to a city or hosting our own events 
or it is one-on-one counseling. We have did a lot more one-on-one counseling as well because we realize that sometimes all of us need that extra boost, that extra boost, that extra assistance. And so we've been doing. We call our little car the 911 emergency marriage uh, little van. <laughs> but really yes. The help yeah. is, is the help. Help us all to know that wherever you are in your marriage, in your relationship, someone else has been there and they can help you to, as the word says, live vicariously, learn what others who have, who are married have made, the errors, the mistakes. And I tell our newlyweds all the time, if you take these principles that it took us years to learn and you start to apply them now, then you can avoid some of the bumps and knocks that those who have been married longer had to go through because they're here to all benefit from each other. And I think that's by a lot of grace what makes it so beautiful, so unique, with the, especially with the marriage retreat, even with the marriage workshops by a lot of grace, is that everyone realizes that, wait a minute, you know, I, I think I'm a, on an island by myself. We hear some couples say, well, you know, I don't need counseling. We okay. But when we get together and we're in workshops and we're really looking at and processing our marriages, then we realize, wow, you know, I'm really learning some new tools. And we've had couples who have participated who have been married for 40 years, for 35 years. And they all, one, one, uh, we had a Christian couple a couple of Christian couples, and one one of the brothers said, you know, my wife dragged me to this thing. I didn't want to come, but he had more fun than she did. And he said, guess what? I didn't think you could teach your old dog new tricks, but you taught this one some. Mm. Wow. You know what I was thinking as you talking? I'm thinking that you guys actually perform um, marriage triage. You you dig into your marriage toolkit. Sometimes you pull out uh, your marriage first aid kit, and other times you pull out your go bag. So tonight, I'm hoping y'all can dig in your bag, uh, your your marriage triage bag, and give us those jewels. Seven near marriage to help all that is in this listening audience um, and come to a, uh, a, a place. Hmm? Before we go into the seven keys, I, I would like uh, Cecilia and Brother Marcus to tell us, how did you start this? I mean, you you, you have been together for quite a while, but how did you get yeah. involved with helping other people with their marriages? I think the, the, the honest answer to that, sis, is that, you know, as Dr. Ava Muhammad has said to us, you teach what you need to learn. And, you know, we we have uh, learned a lot through our own suffering in our own marriage. And we've learned how to work together, learn how to try to make it work. Um, this world is very hard on marriage. It's very difficult to stay in the process of marriage with a world like this constantly inviting you in constantly inviting you back to the single life, you know, brothers, you know, uh, the uh, the way that marriage is portrayed to us as men, you know, brother brother gets married and he's in his 40s, and the way he describes it is, I'm turning my player's card in, you know, and, you know, the whole concept of marriage is just something that we have to make attractive again, because 
you know, we grew up in you your eighties child like I we we were, you know, you grew up looking at married with children. You grew up hearing about how terrible marriage is, the old ball and chain was what people describe marriage as. So, you know, when as we have grown and, and we were young when we found each other by Allah's grace, you know, we were only I was nineteen, she was nineteen when we we accepted each other as husband and wife, and you know, but we've known each other since well, she was fourteen, I was fifteen, and we were high school sweethearts at a, at one point, and so I, I knew that she was going to be my my baby. When I saw, I said that brother uh, out of my mouth. I said, "There goes my baby." That's what I said. You know, that's a joke, y'all. <laughs> Well, that's that's a beautiful story there, and that's what it's all about. You know, each one, teach one. you got to go through some lumps in life in order to um, see some smooth sailing. And as you are um, teaching and helping and aiding um, brothers and sisters to come together as one, I believe it must be very therapeutic and helpful in your personal relationship as we see it now. Absolutely, my brother. I'm telling you. For all those couples who are going through a lot and thinking that you might end your marriage and divorce, I'm going to tell you, I would say, a foolproof way to to turn the tables on that tide. Why don't you get out of your, 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 your arguing with each other and you're looking at each other with so much hatred and contempt, and why don't you try to help somebody else? And when you try to help somebody else, what you discover is that, ooh, I thought we had problems, but other folks out here got even bigger problems than you and I got. And, and so it makes you look at each other and say, you know what, baby, we need to take the advice that we're giving everybody else. Mm. I, I, I'm speechless. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I believe it is about that time to start with that first jewel, that first key, because everything starts with the number one. Brothers and sisters, I need for everyone to take your pen and pad out because this is a classroom, and we don't want you to miss anything that can help you improve your marriage life. So we're going to ask the question, what is the first key in your humble, you know, estimation that couples need to focus on to make sure they're moving closer to a near-perfect marriage. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? So this might be a good time to uh, go to a commercial break, and when we come back, let's um, see if we can reconnect uh, Cecilia and Marcus. Okay. The Keys 107. We'll be right back. Plus, 
Presents the Alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, go to www.thefluffamily.com. For fashions that bring out the best in you, go to moon107.com. That's M-A-U-N-107.com. We feature organic hair and skin products, pink Himalayan sea salt, women tunic tops, children's books, jewelry, art, and organite. Visit us on the web at moon107.com. M-A-U-N-107.com. Rafika Consultants and Services Technology Trainers. Do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you? Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.rafikacs.com. Dot com on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. Now, now, now. So back. back to the key. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother Yeah, now we are back, but we're going to take it right from the top. We were just discussing what is the first and foremost key that we need to begin to look if we're going to move closer to a near perfect marriage. Brother Marcus and Sister Cecilia, your mic is live. All right. All right. Well thank y'all so much for that. Um I think I'm did you all hear anything Sister Cecilia said? No, it went it went on mute on us, so we're we're gonna t- have to take it from the top. Okay, go ahead, Cecilia. I was saying that the first and number one rule is to keep Almighty God at the center of our marriage because we know that we you we did not create our husband and the husband did not create the wife and that we both are created by Almighty God Allah and we know that that is the key to success because when we have hard times when we're struggling we have to go to Almighty God to give us strength because I don't understand again. The key thing that the Honorable Louis Farrakhan tells us is about the nature of the male and the nature of the female, and that those are complementary natures when we understand, but if we don't understand that in our growing together, the understanding will come by us in our personal relationship with Almighty God. The husband has to have his relationship with God, and the wife has to have her personal relationship with God, and through both of them having that relationship with Almighty God, then it can help us to get through the tough times, the rough times, and the times we just don't want to deal with at all. All right. Mm. And the next thing I would say on that same point of keeping God first, you know, uh, a lot of times Almighty God is not part of the discussion at all in our marriage. You know, and can be a big problem because, again, like Sister C said, 
you know, God is the creator of us both, and we both need him to be in the center of the marriage if we want success with each other. I didn't create society, society didn't create me. You know, you didn't create your husband, he didn't create you. So if there is no God, if there is no one that you as a man is leaning on, how can your wife lean on you if you don't appear to lean on no one? How can mm. you as a woman, if you're not leaning on anyone in for for guidance and for help, then what will your children, why should they listen to anything that you and I have to say? We have to really come before uh, our, our children, our, our each other, saying, oh, man, I need a lot in my life, and I need Almighty God to help me through all that I face, especially here in 2016. You know, we, we a lot of times this world can make us feel self-independent, uh, self-sufficient from God until he shows us that we really, he, we really need him. You know, and so I like the attitude of Jesus. Jesus said, I of myself can do nothing, you know. Mm. And so there's this very powerful point of putting Almighty God first and foremost. If he's not first and foremost, we are definitely operating in loss, and it can be seen in the manifestation of our marriages not working and a void being in the middle. The minister said these powerful words to us. He said that, we are not enough for each other in terms of, you know, if there is no God, if there's no God out here for us to lean on, then we're not enough for each other. You know, you can get through me, you can get through my wife in just a matter of a few hours. But if there's a God behind you, feeding you, growing you, helping you, you can get, You it takes a long time to do with a man or woman whose faith and, and trust is supposed securely in almighty God. Mm. I think you both hit, you know, you're hitting it. it. Everything starts with the spirit and everything starts with God, you know? And I want to say to you is that, um, as I'm listening, it's just unfolding things. Even in me, it's like we put our focus on God as we're getting into a relationship. We learn that we have to be patient, that we have to be merciful, that we have to be beneficent. We have to be all these because God is always those examples through his prophets and his messengers and all the worthies of uh, of old and uh, in the here and the now. And so if we focus on God, I think we can become a better person. And in a, in, in a sense, our mate, if she's doing the same thing or he's doing the same thing, we have a, a better chance of holding on to each other to become one because we're moving um, at the same vibration. And that's a beautiful thing. Okay. Everything starts with uh, with God first and foremost. I love that concept. Yes. Now I believe my uh, my co-host, which is my wife, is now into the studio. Her <laughs> mic want to make sure it is live and well. Are you there? Yes, I feel so much better in the studio. <laughs> yes. So, I want to keep it rolling, because um, if they took that note about God being first, then what's on second, or who's on second? What is the next key? Well, I just want to, mm-hmm. if, I could, if I could just say this, brother, you know, they said it, uh, a reporter asked Mother Teresa, 
which is the poorest country she has ever been to. And she said she had been to many countries and seen much poverty and suffering. But everywhere she goes, people told her of their hardships and their struggles, and they asked her for help, and she gave them what she could. But she said of all the countries she had been to, the poorest one she had ever been to was America. And Mm. when the reporter asked her that, he was somewhat shocked because he told her, he said, well, America is one of the richest countries and questioned how it could be the poorest. And she said something that is so profound. She said, America suffers from the poverty of loneliness. And that's one of the things that we're going to deal with this Sunday on the show, uh, our show, we're going to deal with loneliness because mm. there's so many people out here in 2016 who are lonely, who feel unloved, who feel unused, who feel unneeded. And we have uh, your great student minister from New York City, that dynamic brother, brother student minister, Abdul Hafiz Muhammad, who's going to come on and talk about this with us because it's such a powerful topic. And so many people, they call it a disease of loneliness. And so I know automatically one of the great remedies for that is for you to form an intimate relationship with Almighty God. Mm. In your life, a real intimate relationship, not nothing fake, a real one. You know, Mariah Carey wondered, who am I going to lean on when times get rough? Well, if she had a real intimate relationship with Almighty God, Maybe she wouldn't have to ask that question. God is the mm. fulfiller. So we all have to get to him if we want to be fulfilled in 2016. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So the second on the second key, after we come um, from a great understanding that God is first and foremost, it's what, my brother? It's commitment. Mm-hmm. It's commitment. Commitment. You know, and so many of us have never been committed to anyone or anything in all of our lives. We can see that, you know, if you just look at students, you can see the committed student in school and even among your own children. The ones who are committed are the ones who are going to make it. You know, and the, the ones who are uncommitted, the ones who continuously are second-guessing themselves, and, and they even start to plan for cases where they aren't going to finish school, that is the true meaning of commitment. When we commit to each other, we no longer consider the possibilities that are inconsistent with the object of our commitment. For instance, if you're committed, you're locked in. You refuse to consider other alternatives. How does that relate in a relationship? See, you can't be on Facebook looking for old girlfriends, looking for, oh, this one. You're not, you're not trying to entertain anybody, especially when you're married. When you come, when you said, I do to your wife, you said, I do to a duty, to a responsibility. Then you also have, you know, commitment means you're focused. You're confident. Mm-hmm. You know, you have more confidence when you have made a commitment to someone in this life. 
you always have a guide as to what's right and what's wrong. You can overcome greater adversity when you are committed. Conversely, when you're not committed, you have flexible, you have lots of options, you have a highly likely uh, likelihood of not getting anywhere with this person. You quit at the first sign of trouble. You're hard to get people to tag along because you don't believe in the cause yourself. So you can't put inspiration into a wife if you don't believe in yourself. You know, and I have to admit, you know, this is one of the things that really throw a lot of us off in our marriages. And, and even in courtship, you can see if the person that you want to be in a marriage with, have they ever been committed to anything? Name one thing that they have finished in their life. That's a great question. For somebody who you're going to court, name one thing or two things that you've actually finished. We, we, we're, we're in a generation that starts a lot of stuff but never finishes hardly anything. So, say what you got on that? I think the key word in that commitment, like, like your definition, is the focus and not letting anything interrupt or intercede or come between except God. And that again, that we're gonna—that's gonna be the principle. That's the guiding light with all of the principles. Is that again that commitment of being focused, of knowing, okay, all right, we got this problem, we got this challenge. I'm not gonna run. You're not gonna run. Let's sit down and solve this. Let's work this out together. And when we are committed and we are focused on having a successful marriage, focused on my spouse's happiness, how can I make my spouse happy? What did I do for them this week to put a smile on their face? Because when you're committed, when you're focused, when you are targeted, your mind, your spirit, everything is targeted for your success in your marriage, in your relationship with your spouse, then that means, again, that you don't allow anything to interrupt it. There's no family that's in your business and you listening to them more than you listening to your spouse who you're in the house with every day. It's making us that's one of our successes with me and Brother Marcus is that outside of Allah and me and him and our children, there's not too many people in, in that we're in, in a sense of in, in the middle of us or we're listening to where someone else got my ear more than what my husband says or more than uh, me to him of what, what we're discussing and how we're going to, you know, execute whatever it is that we have on our agenda. It's committed. It's focused. Letting nothing be floppy, nothing. Uh, what was one of the other definitions?
We stand in front of a preacher and a ma'am uh, or a minister or a priest, and we say, I do. But what remains to be seen is whether we would follow through on that commitment. People say a lot of pretty words. But what we need today is commitment. We need you to really commit to a wife, to a husband. You know, that's why we're doing the singles activity thing in Atlanta. We want to find folks who want to commit to each other and help create the environment where they can get in each other's face and say, okay, let's see, let's see you really be committed to something. All right? And so Minister Farquhar said marriage with Almighty God is sacred, and therefore anything that interferes with marriage is strictly forbidden and severely punished by Almighty God. And he said that he hoped that we would make a commitment to marriage and family and let nothing break up our families. See, you've got to watch people and what they do and what they'll say to break you and up, you and your wife up. They don't want nothing more than to put out the light of Almighty God with their mouths. That's what we're up against today, to break you and her up, break you and him up. And as men, the minister said, if we've been in error, then we must confess and ask for forgiveness and do not bring any more corruption into our homes. And sisters, if your actions have driven you to become unbecoming, then come back to yourself and come home to God and let him rebuild our lives and our nation. Brothers and sisters, this is a beautiful topic, beautiful topic. You know, what I'm looking at in terms of that commitment, as you said, as you both spoke about, that there should be no quit in it. You know, it, yeah. it, you say when you say I do, do is an action, and it, uh, it's, well, you know, through the length of your marriage, you are doing. What are you doing? You're trying to become one. You're doing everything within your power to ensure that this relationship lasts productive and in and in, in, in essence, it's loving. It's a loving relationship. It's a relationship where you feel that you are naturally connected and that there's no separation in you. It's You're together forever. And this is what they write all them songs about. So commitment right. is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful piece. And I think that all of us who are listening need to uh, reassess our level of commitment to one another. Yes. Well, I think brother brother Marcus um, or Sister Cecilia, I don't remember which one um, spoke about it, and, and they they began to talk about when you make the commitment, you have to be sincere in the commitment. You can't yes. make the commitment believing that you have an out. You have to be in it, as you say, uh, for the long haul. In it, but I think you have to really understand what that word commitment means. What does it mean to be committed to a person? If you don't have that basic understanding, you talked about the first key, and the first key was putting God first. But if you're not, if you're not a God-centered person, if you don't already have an engaged relationship with God, you you will have a difficult time putting God first. That's right, absolutely. And like we said, Sister uh, Muhammad, think about this. We said that the person who's not committed, they're always looking for an option. 
you know, and this is what we have in this world. You know, you can hardly get you a flavor of ice cream because there's 31 flavors that Baskin Robbins got. How the heck can I get me an ice cream cone (laughs) or a shake and they got 31 flavors for me to choose from? Yes. I mean, it's almost impossible. Think of all the different types of fruit. Think of all of the stuff that you want to be able to make a choice on. This is what Audubon Large Mama is saying to us, to our people, you know, find a good choice and settle down. There are millions of women out here, brother. But find a good choice. Choose one of them and settle down with her. You know, but you can't settle down with her if you got all these options, if you got all these things, all these women that you're trying to romance, you'll never be able to settle down. Find one that in whom your heart can delight. Well, and at some point you have to be willing to accept the reality that the grass is not greener on the other side. As Mr. Hafiz says, oftentimes it's harder to cut. That's all it is. All it is, it's always harder to cut. <laughs> well, let's let's move on to the uh, and I like this one. It hits home. Patience. Oh, to say it, we, we're dealing with patience right now. Like <laughs> All right. She wants me to start off. I'm going to start off with what the Honorable Louis Farrakhan always brings us to that Quran and always brings us to that verse in the 103rd verse uh, that says, Surely man is in law, except those who believe and do good and enjoy one another to truth and enjoy one another to patience. You know, and patience is the virtue that most of us don't have. The Quran says, seek assistance through patience and prayer. Patience is not patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while you're waiting. You know, most people, if you watch us, we are so impatient, you can hardly stop at the light if you take an extra millisecond to grab your car back up and get back out here, then you are going to get a off at you, or, or worse yet, somebody might want to beat you up for taking a, a millisecond more time. Patience is something we all need, but we have to develop it. And God asks us all to be more patient, especially as he works his will out. See, what we fail to think in an instant gratification world is that if you belong to God, he is going to build your through the things that you want that you can't get right away. And, you know, patience, if we were more patient, it would build our reputation right in our own home, you know, with your wife, with your husband. You know, are you patient with them? You know, we all want to be supremely patient, but it starts with God with little things. If you're not patient with your spouse, if you're not patient with your children, all of these are things that are massively uh, things that you and I have to be patient with. We have six children, and Lord knows we have had to be patient with each and every one of them. We still are being patient with the last <laughs> three of them that are here at the house. We're on our way as we speak 
to pick up our, our, our third son because he wasn't patient. He's at Delaware State University, but he wasn't patient with the process. He, he wanted things to happen right now, right away. And I said, son, it don't work like that. But now he got to make a choice. he got to make a decision as to what he's going to do. You know, patience builds your reputation. A well-rounded leader. I want you to think about this now. When you are patient, it builds your reputation. If you're a well-rounded leader, you are set apart from the rest of the pack by mastering skills that lead to success. At times, many of us are driven more by impatience with others and ourselves uh, than by the virtue of patience. And our impatience, brothers and sisters, in marriage can be the demise of the marriage. It's mm. And patience. You have to be so patient. Sometimes when you have patience, you don't say everything that comes to mind in the marriage. You know, you watch your spouse, you got to be patient. But, okay, I see I see an uh, argument getting ready to happen. Let me be patient. Let me, because I am supposed to be growing spiritually, let me leave something unsaid. You don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. You got to grow in child. You got to grow in daughter, grow in son. You can't treat them like a little child one minute and then an adult the next minute. You got to understand that they've made a, a transition, and so I have to be patient with them while they get adjusted to the transition that they made, not me. I've made a transition in a long time. I'm older now, so now I got to be patient with them. We, we can't expect people to be where we are. We have to be patient and let God do his work with this person. See, that's the one you and I got to get really patient with because God, he won this thing. The maintenance of the heavens and the earth, it ties him not. He knows the process, and that's how you become more patient when you know the process that a thing got to go through in order for it to be what it's supposed to be. So we have to learn to be patient with ourselves and with one another. See what you got, girl. And I think the most important thing also with with that patience is that we have to definitely be patient with ourselves because again, one of the biggest issues in marriage is that one of us thinks we're more developed than the other spouse. Woo! One of us thinks, well, you know, she needs to come up or he needs to come up where I am. Well, maybe God's putting some trials in our life that causing us to realize I'm not all I think I am. And through those trials, we have to be patient by looking at our own self and really doing some self-correction, self-analysis. And all of that comes with being patient with the process because we want to rush things. I want it right here, right now. And that's not, it's not going to happen like that. You ain't going to get that half a million dollar house and you just got married two weeks ago. You gotta, It's mm. a process. Unless you got the money right. to go ahead and just put it down. But most of mm. us, it's a process. It's a process mm. to go from that It's a process to go from that hoopsie to a Mercedes if that's what you're desiring. It's a process. And we are not patient with the processes in marriage. We want to rush it. And another thing, a lot of sisters say, I- I'm not going to be patient with no man. He got to come ready-made. He can't have, he can't have no issues. I-, I ain't got time to raise no child. No, that's not the attitude that we should have. The attitude. 
attitude is that we're going to grow together and because our understanding, the way we, uh, our natures alone, the male is not like the female and the female is not like the male. Guess what? Just in really looking at that and examining that, it's like, oh, my goodness, God is making us to be patient with even studying each other's natures, and that takes years to understand. That's why yeah. marriage is what? The growth of two individuals becoming one. That's a process, and, how, and farming is a good example of patience. You can't just put the seed in the ground and expect to get a, a broccoli tomorrow. You got to you gotta put some water on it. You got to get the mm. sunlight on it. You got to mm. pluck up some weeds. That's what marriage is. Everything in our life is a process, and and that's why marriage is half of our faith, because all the trials that we go through in marriage is to help us to become that diamond, to grow together, to become one representing Almighty God. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I'm going to let the listening audience know that I'm probably not the most patient person but I am growing in patience because I understand every word two of you are saying because we live that here uh, at the Keys 107. <laughs> but um, patience is a state of endurance. And when you're having difficult circumstances or difficult times, you have to learn how to suffer without getting so angry and upset. That's the part that I'm trying to learn, how to not get angry and upset because patience if you have patience, learn how to be more, uh, uh, more tolerant, and you'll have more You said we don't lash back at each other because we're going through a hard moment. But this is beautiful because I think everybody can learn to be more patient, and if they do that, we're moving closer to be a perfect marriage. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well um, let me give you a quote. And I just don't know the date uh, of the quote by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. He said once that you must recognize that the way to get the good out of your brother and your sister is to not return evil for evil. That's right. So I think that that moves us right into the fourth key. No matter what happens, do your duty. That's right. That's right. And that that piece right there, that key, is number four because four represents foundation. And you cannot expect to be successful in a marriage without understanding this one here. You have to understand that if we're going to try to unite, a masculine nature with a feminine nature, that is going to be an intense struggle. Mm. There's nothing easy about it. And, you know, and, and, and our problem is, and I've realized this in my own life, brother and sister, that we don't think that marriage should be this hard. Right. <laughs> we, we feel... We feel like, oh, my God, this is hard. I never wanted a marriage that was going to be hard. Well, then you shouldn't have been born. Because mm. it's, it's to, to try to unite a masculine nature with a feminine nature is one of the most 
difficult things you will ever do. And, and you know, people think because you have a lot of sex that that means you're uniting the masculine nature with the feminine nature, and that's so far away from the reality of things. That doesn't mean that. It means that that's what you're doing. But, you know, I'm telling you that, you know, conflict resolution is one of the most important parts of this discussion that we're having tonight because we stop doing our duty when we're in conflict with each other. Here's mm. a sister that can cook wonderful meals, but she's angry at her husband, so she lets him know how angry she is by not preparing any meal for him. He got to go to get him something from the Waffle House. He got to go get him something from Captain D's. You know, or, or some other restaurant. She's not only not cooking for him, she's not cooking for the children either. See, all of that becomes a manifestation. Here's a husband that's angry with his wife, so he stopped doing his function in the house totally. See, when you stop doing your duty, you're letting everybody know that you're upset and you're angry and you're so mad and so angry about it that I'm going to stop doing my duty so that y'all don't appreciate me. That's one of the things we got to bring back into marriage, appreciation for the little things. See, we stop being appreciative over the little things in marriage, and that's why, you know, we get what we get from our spouses because here's a, a husband who don't, uh, he's, he's so used to his wife keeping a clean house that, he don't never appreciate it no more. He don't even say, baby, oh, man, this house is beautiful. I love the way you keep this house. He don't do that no more. He used to do it when he first started off, but now he didn't got comfortable. He didn't got complacent in the marriage. And so he stops being nice and saying little things to keep her encouraged and supportive of her and her effort. I've been that person in my marriage. I, that's why I know this is real. You can become complacent in your marriage to the point where you never even acknowledge no good in your spouse. When couples call us for counseling, oh, they go in on each other so hard sometimes. It's like, did your spouse do anything good? <laughs> Are you happy that he woke up? Are you happy that, you know, you know, <laughs> we, you know it makes you wonder sometimes because we can become so ungrateful and remember the minister pointed out to us that Almighty God, Allah, he hates the ungrateful. Mm. So you got to ask yourself, those of you who are listening tonight on this program, have you become ungrateful for the gift that your child, your daughter, your son is giving you? They're trying to please you. But now, have you become ungrateful to Allah to, for them and for the contribution that they make to the house? It may not be your contribution, but they make one. And, you know, when when they've made one, do we acknowledge it at all? See, this is what's tearing so many of our homes down. We, we think we're the cat's meow. We think that, you know, the buck stops here because I pay the bills, so I don't want to get the biggest praise. But the greatest among you, Jesus said, shall be the servant. You know, and to, we had a minister in Atlanta, Georgia, who used to always say when we were first walking through the door, your reward is with your Lord. And we never understood why he used to say that so very much. But now, oh, 
my God, since we've been together now for 23 years, we understand. We've done enough work where now we understand why is your reward with your Lord. Because if you're seeking praise and honor for men, we ain't never going to give it to you, most likely. Mm. If you have the proper uh, one in your life, Almighty God, as the, the one that you're looking toward for that glory or for, for, that, for that honor, he can give it to you. You know, mm. as we talk about this one right here, conflict resolution. Conflict resolution is serious business. And it's so serious because that's one of the probably one of the biggest issues as well is that when difficulties arise, we do not handle them in a mature fashion. Come we on. go into how I feel, my ego, but we're not looking at it to sit there and say, okay, well, let's gather the actual facts. Let's gather the information. Honey, what's your wife? What's your point of view? Honey, what's your point of view? And see if we can come to an agreement on something. Example, you have children, different ages, different things going on. The finances, whatever it is, and we're going to come to this one definitely because this is the main point, it's got to be communication again. A lot of these are going to go, going to coincide with each other. We have to communicate. How can you leave your house at five or six or eight in the morning and your spouse don't hear from you, don't see you until you come back to the house? Not a text, not a phone call, nothing. And with this modern day and technology, you can't do a quick text, baby, I love you, or something to help your spouse to get through the day. But if we are not communicating on the basic level, then when we have a major conflict, a major disagreement, it's going to fall apart because we're not even communicating on a regular basis. Mm. So our conflict resolution has to be to sit down and to have dialogue even with our children. We, like the minister said, our dinner table is our conference table. And if we're sitting there and we're talking on a regular basis, then by Almighty God's grace and permission, there's no subject, no area that we as a husband, as a wife, cannot sit down. And again, the key word is maturely handle the situation and not let our emotions get in the way, not let how I feel get in the way, but look at it and say, how can we Baby, how can we solve this problem? What do we need to do to attack this? What's our strategy? What's our plan of action? How can we mm-hmm. conquer this obstacle and remove it from us by our unity and whatever we decide to do? And the key thing is once we decide to do it, make our word bond and keep to it and stick to it and work it out together. Mm. Well, this is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I'd like to say, family, there was a, um, when we started off talking about no matter what happens, do your duty, there was a scripture that I remember from years ago running across in the Bible, very short, but it's right to the point. And it's really geared towards the male the family or the man in the family, um, the husband. Uh, it's 1 Timothy, the third, um, the third um, verse. Therefore, an overseer, speaking about the man, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectful, hospitable, 
able to teach, not a drunkard, not a violent, but yet gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with dignity, keeping his children submissive. For, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he, he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert. And it goes on that he may become puffed up and conceited. But really, with that that that, that verse, really, it, it, we talk about duty. How do we? What is our duty in, in terms of a man towards a, a, a wife and to a household and to children? And it is really to constantly fortify love, keeping love and peace in our homes. And whatever we have to do to 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 make that happen, we have to continuously show them. That we are on our post, so I I thank y'all for even going into that, and I know that we must um, keep our focus on our clock because we have a lot more to cover, and I think we want to go into the next key, which is would be the fifth key, togetherness in our marriage, togetherness in our marriage. Y'all begin with that. All all praises be to Allah. Man, we are really enjoying this with you all, brothers and sisters, and I hope that you all are enjoying this as much as we are. Mm. The um, This key on uh, togetherness in our marriages, you know, is so important to us to understand. You know, um, as as we looked at this this key, we felt like so many couples, we believe we know what it means to be together, but then again, you have to ask yourself, do we? You know, what togetherness means? You know, uh, and, and one of the things that we would like to say is that you can't expect in this day and time to be together uh, all the time. That togetherness is not being together all the time. Togetherness is not, you know, a, a wife. Uh, uh, being under her husband 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, it doesn't mean that. You know, you have to give each other freedom to satisfy your personal desires without treading on one another, you know. And then we also have to, you know, force our spouses to do things for which uh, we shouldn't, well, we should not force our spouse to do things for which they have no natural mutual interest in because it can create unnecessary resentment and anger in our relationship. Most people don't know that. When you, as a man, you are into sports. You love it. Oh, my God. Some of us getting ready for the football season, we are telling our wives right now, baby, you already know. Sundays, I'm not even going to the mosque. I'll be here on this couch (laughs) watching my game. Three, four, a weekend, you know, all you got three, four TVs and all four playing uh, all of the games going on. And now you're going to make your wife, she got to dress up like you. She got to put on your favorite team outfit, you know. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> this is a <laughs> you know, because she may not want to do that, you know. <laughs> Togetherness should not affect the individuality of both of you, you know. How will you feel when you have to mingle only with the your friends or your wife's circle uh, or the the friend circle of your spouse? If, if, if she doesn't have any opportunity to create friends or have 
have any friends uh, outside of, 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 of you in terms of you picking them. You know, you got to allow for a spouse, when they're your spouse, you got to trust that they are using the same power of God that you use it. You know, how will uh, we react when we are forced to do things that we don't like to do? You know, the, the key to togetherness is to do unto others what you would like done unto you. You know, if you don't like your spouse uh, clinging to you all the time, then don't cling to them. You know, we have to learn that togetherness is not necessarily uh, uh, the space and time. Togetherness is the, 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 the mindset. We both know what we're trying to accomplish. We both know what's at stake. And, and we all have to do this. Like Cecilia mentioned, the, the dining room dinner table. If, if you're going to go to your children and you're going to talk about an issue with your children, you should talk about it privately in your own bedroom or in another room in the house where the children are not able to hear you all. You know, this is what togetherness is really about. It's about us taking time to talk with each other and make sure that our interaction is as peaceful and as pleasant as possible. Even bills have to be discussed, and we have to communicate in a responsible and in a fair way. You want to be fair as you discuss bills. You want to be fair as you discuss the health. You want to be fair as you discuss what your outlook is for the next year. And this is one of the things that we're going to do at the marriage retreat. We're going to talk about our outlook for the next year because many of us are married, but we have no goals for the marriage. Mm. And that's a a great crime to get married and then not know why we are married. What are we trying to accomplish together? So you've got ministers who are supermen, but are their wives involved in their ministry in any sense? We've got to bring everybody to the table and make real goals that everybody can get behind. Mm. And togetherness also means that we can also take time out of our busy. That's why one of the reasons also by a lot of ways the marriage retreat is so good because we take time off work, we take time the children are cared for, and we take that time together to focus on our marriages so there's nothing to interrupt us because the husband the wife are coming together to enjoy the fellowship, to enjoy whatever uh, whatever uh, activities and interactive things that we're doing. But the object is, is that we're taking time out together. And we like to tell couples, you know, just look at your schedule on just a, a week-to-week basis. And in a week-to-week basis, when was the last time you and your husband went on a date? You know, we at, we tell the couples, at least try to go on a date at least uh, twice in a month or however you can do it, at least twice in a month together. Go out on a date. At least every three months or so, go away for a weekend, just you and your husband. Make time. Uh, uh, make the appointment, put it in, ink it in, put the big uh, permanent marker on the schedule. This is me and my husband, my wife, quality time together. And my children know at a certain time uh, in a month, they see me doing certain things, they're like, oh, God, here we go. Mommy and Daddy going on a date again. You know, the children got to know. My 
mommy and daddy love each other. They're working together on their relationship. And see, we have to let our children see healthy marriages because if we're preparing for a future, they have to know that mommy and daddy, this is where we are striving to bring in the kingdom of God. And the first example is through mommy and daddy being an example of striving to work together in that process individually, together, and as a family. Mm. Don't be afraid. Mm. Don't be afraid to show love to each other, to show affection to each other. How do you expect the children to know if they never see it, if they never see nobody and mommy and daddy ever kiss? They don't know what a kiss is. They get, you know, if, if your children ain't yucked out by you, I would certainly, you know, they see us the first day. They say, go get a room. And, you know, we say, well, you, you in our house. <laughs> we, every room is ours. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. And hugs, you know, I, I'm flipping a little bit into the next part. The physical, the, the intimacy is just something I can't wait to talk a little bit about. Well, Marcus, you, you have already introduced the, the uh, seventh key, the sixth key. So let's move, let, let's move right into it. The sixth key is intimacy, or as they, we say, into me, you see. You know, it's 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 terrible when you got a marriage and you can't be intimate with each other because the, the spouse just doesn't have enough interest in you, their spouse. And and that's something that we all got to learn how to do. We got to learn how to show interest in each other, and not just interest, sincere. If you look at most of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teaching, it's sincerity. Show some sincere interest in me. I'm here, but, you know, we can get lost in translation as husbands and wives. We can we can be around each other and not really know each other. And, and this is why affairs and whatnot break out, uh, adultery, in, in emotional uh, adultery uh, and, and infidelity. Uh, it happens a lot of times because we're so busy, but our emotional needs are not being met. Most couples say they never have time for each other. They never have time with each other. Some couples don't have they don't have any time to, to find anything good about their spouse. Their whole focus is to be their spouse's professional fault finder. And that's not a good look, brother and sister. I didn't marry my wife to be my professional fault finder. I know I got some issues with me, and she knows she got some issues with her. But now, if, am I going to spend my whole marriage telling her what's wrong with her? Or is, is we going to change this up, and we're going to try to find and settle on the best part of her, and she settles on the best part of me? Yes, we have to point out each other's faults and blind spots, but at the same time, let me tell you, you know, we also have to um, be be the first to find our, be our spouses or professional cheerleaders. You know, that intimacy piece is a huge piece to the marriage. 
you know, we we talk to couples who are sexless. They have uh, sleeping in different rooms in the house. One upstairs, one where? One downstairs. In the guest bedroom. I mean, this is terrible. I, I can't imagine. People tell me, have you ever slept on a couch? I said, I wish I would sleep on a couch. I don't That's care. Mr. and I have been angry as far with each other. I ain't sleeping on no couch. I pay for a bed to be in that room. I'm getting in that bed one way or the other. I don't care if she's on one end of the bed and I'm on the other end. And we got a huge gulf in between us. I'm getting in that bed. And I tell you, you know, I, I don't know how couples do it, you know, where they, they don't touch each other, they don't kiss each other. I don't know what kind of religion you are a part of where you show no affection to your wife. Mm, go ahead, it's brother. terrible when you don't touch your own wife. Who the hell is supposed to touch her if you won't touch her, my brother? You calling your wife sister. Sister this, sister that. She's not your damn sister. She's your wife. You ought to touch her sometimes. Hey, come on, Cecilia. What you got? What you got? And see well, that intimacy part. Oh, yes, ma'am. No, no. Go, go ahead, Cecilia. Yeah, that intimacy part also is really connecting with each other on an emotional level. Right. And I tell brothers all the time. Some brothers say, "Well, my wife just is talk, 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 nag, nag, nag." I said, "Brother, well, look at the nature of a woman. God made the woman a natural communicator. She communicates by." Talking. So once you understand, man, my wife needs me to take time to talk, to listen to her thoughts, her ideas. The husband wants time for us to listen to his thoughts, to his ideas, to his disappointments. And this is in closing the gap that the minister even goes into what is the highest level of communication and telling us about that communication is designed for us to do that. So Brother, if you don't take time to listen to your wife and it's her nature, uh, brother said, well, my wife has become cold, and she doesn't do this, and she doesn't do I said, the first thing I want to ask her is how was your communication with her? When was the last time you just sat there and gave her your full undivided attention? And my husband can bear witness. Once he started to do that, no matter what I had to say, what time it is, he gave me his undivided attention. You're opening up your love bank, brother, because that's in her nature to talk, to communicate, to express herself. Not to say, uh-huh, uh-huh, or I'm not listening, or I'm too busy, and vice versa, sister. That man needs you sometimes to know, like the minister said to us on many relationship tapes, sister, you got to read what's on the screen of your husband when he comes home, okay? If you're communicating, and this is what I tell sisters, look, if you're communicating or you're not communicating with your spouse, start getting into the habit of that because if you've been communicating with your spouse at least two or three times or more, one day my daughter counted the times me and my husband spoke. She said, Mom, this is ridiculous. I said, what? My daughter's name is Kadira. I said, what, Kadira? She said, you and Daddy Twenty-three times today. <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, I never counted. We just communicated. But she said it was 23 times, you know? Wow. So in, in saying that, and, and I mean, that, that's 
just me and my husband, but for some that may be overkill. But if you're, you know, doing what we do all the day with children, with everything, you communicate. But the key thing is, going back to that point, if you know that your spouse is stressed out, if you know she's stressed out, he's stressed out, then you will know what you need to do when they come home. Does my baby need a nice hot bubble bath, rub them down, and massage his back? Do I need to massage her feet? What does she need for me to grow closer to her intimately, for me to grow closer to him intimately? It's not about the bills. It's not about this. It's about me wanting to know who, uh, what the gift. Our, our wife, our husband is a gift from a lot. And we have to unwrap the gift on all levels, and that's from studying our spouse, knowing what they need, what their natural need is. And that's why we tell people about the five love languages. Do you know what your spouse's love language is? Because we'll get upset about each other and say, well, my wife doesn't appreciate me when I buy her all these gifts. Well, brother, that's not her love language. Her love language is quality time. And these are the things that we want to take time to learn more about each other so that we can love each other deeper and deeper as we get grow together in our marriage. Yeah. So I, I wanted to say this last point on that. One of the things we do at the marriage retreat, and this is for couples, this is for people who want to improve. They all right. You straight. Y'all, y'all got good relations. Y'all not mad at each other. Y'all not fighting or fussing with each other. So you should come to the marriage retreat and help us to find out how to do what you got going on. Because mm. evidently you know something that the rest of us don't know. You know? <laughs> share, and, share. Everybody share. All, it's all about that right there, Sister Muhammad. It's about sharing what you know yeah. and what I know. And we, we put that thing together. It's a beautiful thing. One of the things we do that's so important at the marriage retreat is we allow you as a husband and you as a wife for the first time in your marriage to actually get graded by your spouse. Mm. You say you, you darn wide in the bedroom, brother. You know what you're doing. You're handling business. Well, let's see if your wife is a degree with that. <laughs> See what kind of grade? Can you take? Can you take her giving you an honest a grade on how well she feels you kiss her? Can you take that, sister? Can you take him telling you about how you come across to him? See, because we are in these marriages together. Your spouse is experiencing you and your behavior and your attitudes and all that makes you what you are. They are in the marriage with you, and if you are never graded by them, if they never tell you how you are coming across to them, your most intimate relationship in the in the world should be with your, with, beside a lot, is your spouse. Mm. If you won't mm. even, if you all are not honest with each other, then the marriage is a marriage of lies. Mm. You've got to be honest with each other and see the environment that we create biologically at the marriage retreat is so beautiful and so pristine and pure that you and your spouse can actually have a conversation, a very difficult conversation with each other without y'all fussing, without all y'all fighting with each other, and you can talk about some very difficult things that you all mm. are going through. Mm. 
what wow. the, that's the beauty of a marriage retreat. That is the yeah. beauty of it. And several couples have told us, we thank y'all so much for allowing us to give us the tools to have a conversation because if we didn't have this conversation at this point, our marriage would be over. So any couple that's listening tonight, I'm I'm not begging you. We're not begging you. We're asking you, come give this a shot. Give this marriage retreat a real chance to do. If you would have seen what our law blessings do last year in L.A., you would have gone away. You would have been on cloud nine. I'm just telling you by the grace of a lot. That that marriage retreat by law's grace, inshallah, that was the sixth one. That one was the best of the best because... The fifth one, and I'm already putting it out for the sixth one, right? right <laughs> that's right. right, that's right. Keep it moving. Forecasting, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we gotta we gotta use our God power. Stop forecasting, make it happen. And but by last week, that one was so monumental because Brother Tony, our Western Regional Minister, and his lovely wife, Sister Latanya, put an aspect of bringing the communication of auditing into it. And on the website, you see the couple sitting knee to knee and just looking into each other's eyes and focusing on yourself, not laughing, not smiling. And that's one of the things with the communication drill, that if you laugh or smile or twitch or anything, you fail. That's right. Mm. So to sit there and do that, to, with, for how long we had to do it? I forgot. For, it was about how long? Three whole minutes you had to sit there and and then three coaches or whatever, walking, making sure that you don't move, you don't twist, you don't start laughing. And, I mean, people were doing it, and it was just tears rolling down their eyes because you're looking now into me. You're looking through my eyes. You're looking in me, and I want you to focus your attention, your commit to me. Belong to me. Outside of me and the law, we have to strengthen us. We are the cornerstone of our nation, and our marriages have to survive, and the only way they're going to survive is for us to commit to making our marriages be happy marriages, and the only way that can happen is we have to have serious, honest dialogue on what the issues are, and let's both go to work to fix those issues. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, the key is 107. We're on the emotional key. Our topic is seven keys to a near perfect marriage. We're on that sixth key of intimacy or into me, you see. And um, I think one of the things that are really so important about it, as as you look into me as my wife and I look into you as your husband. We are seeing a way that we can become one. We are um, taking the time just to be friends, to to recalibrate, connect on a deeper subconscious level. And I think the healing takes place and a bond begins to grow when you become more intimate with one another. So that's a very key for our listening audience. Become more intimate with your partner. Well, I think we, we're going to be moving into the seventh key, but before we do that, we need to just go to a quick commercial break. Uh, for our listening, uh, our listeners, would you take, take a moment and, and review your notes, and, and let's recap. 
The first key is putting God first. The second key is commitment. The third key is patience. The fourth key is no matter what happens, do your duty. And the fifth key is togetherness in the marriage. And the sixth key, which we spent a lot of time on because it's worthy, it's important, is the intimacy key. So we're going to go to a quick commercial break. Hold tight. The seventh key is on its way. It's going to blow your mind. The key is 107. We'll be right back. For fashions that bring out the best in you, go to moon107.com. That's M-A-U-N-107.com. We feature organic hair and skin products, pink Himalayan sea salt, women tunic tops, children's books, jewelry, art, and organites. Visit us on the web at moon107.com. M-A-U-N-107.com. Alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, go to www.thefluffamily.com. Rafika Consultants and Services Technology Trainers. Do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you? Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.rafikacs.com or on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. Now, 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 back to the key. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother Jay. We are live. We are talking about the seven keys to a near-perfect marriage. And I like the fact that we came in talking about a near-perfect marriage because perfection is all. We have hit seven important keys. I don't think that those are the only keys, but we've hit seven very, very, very important keys. And I just was so tickled when Brother Marcus was talking about the sports and he said Brother had four TVs in the house and each TV had some kind of sports on it. He was on his couch and he wanted his his partner to put on the sweat the, the team shirt and say, go team. But I think I think that kind of uh, wraps up that whole concept of what is the re- the role of the spouse. What is what is the relationship all about? And you know, while you was talking about that, brother Marcus, even though I was laughing, I thought about it that a lot of times when a couple gets together, that honest conversation of likes and dislikes don't come up because you are busy trying to impress. 
And maybe if you was just honest and said, listen, I am a sports fanatic, and she had an opportunity to say, well, I don't like sports, then you may have a better understanding. That's right. You know, a sister, a lot of the problem is just basic dishonesty in relationships. And we are taught as people who live here in the hills of North America how to lie to each other, how to lie to our spouses over the most basic uh, thing that if I was just honest, it would already be over with. That's it. So we are taught to lie, to deceive, to trick, to to just redirect our spouses to something that it, the issue is not. We project onto each other. All of these things that ain't got nothing to do with our spouse, but, you know, growing up in a deceitful world, it just makes you uh, like this world. That's it. But and, and Brother Marcus and Sister Cecilia, this leads right into, it's, it's almost as if we rehearsed this, but I'm telling you all of our listeners, Keys 107 family, we have not rehearsed this. <laughs> the seventh key is avoiding the potholes and the pitfalls that threaten the life of a marriage. And certainly dishonesty and deceit is a definite pitfall. Pitfall. Yes, that that is definitely the case. And by God's grace on our show that we do on Sundays, one of the things that we've been really uh, focused on this year is really looking at our character development. And like the minister said, is trying to guide us, the integrity, the honesty, keeping our word bond, all of these things that we have to put. I can't look at my husband, Brother Marcus, and look and not look at myself and say, well, what does Cecilia need to work on? What do I need to focus on? And when we start to really look at what our issues are, dealing with ourselves, we can avoid a lot of pitfalls. If we just focus on that one, make our word bond, be honest, tell the truth. Brother, why you got that sister number in your pocket? You know you talking about, oh, I'm going to invite her out to the mosque. Really? Did you really take her number for that? So you see, we got to be honest. Well, be honest, brother. Be honest, sister, with what <laughs> our actions are, what our behaviors are. And a lot of our problems can start with our character development. We don't have honesty. We don't have integrity. We lie at the drop of a dime. The dime don't even hit the floor before we telling a lie. Mm, mm. These are the type of things that, like the minister said, if Master Farad Muhammad came to make a nation of gods, then we're in the process of, um, the minister said, perfect practice. He said you have to know the perfect way in order to practice it. And so we're receiving that divine knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. So now if he has taught us and he has taught us everything, then our success is following and being in action with with that principle. The principle of what he is telling us is that if we focus our minds, our energy on working to kill the Negro of self, working daily, nightly to kill all of those things, kill, slay those seven devils. It ain't talking about the physical devil. It's talking about the devil within you. Because you create the most devilishment within yourself, and then your spouse experiences it, the 
children experience it, your coworkers experience it, because we're not working on ourselves. And we know that, like, for instance, we know we're not where we want to be maybe educational-wise, and we're not working on those type of issues, whatever our issues are that we are spewing out our poison, we can avoid those pitfalls by first focusing our energy, our time, to get that broom and dustpan and sweep around our own front door, which is ourselves, and not focusing it all on our spouse. I love that, and I think that is the perfect way to wrap up the seven keys. We know that this is not the end of this conversation with you, Brother Marcus and Sister Cecilia. Uh, we or we will invite you back to continue this conversation, but can you give out some information on where the retreat is going to be and how can listeners and people who need some help get in touch with you? All praise is due to Allah. Well, thank you again for the opportunity to be on your show. Uh, the 6th Annual National Marriage Retreat will be held by the grace of Almighty God in Atlanta, Georgia this year. Uh, and we are really looking forward to welcoming you into the city of Atlanta. Of course, Atlanta is just uh, getting a lot of attention this year uh, because, you know, we have Minister Abdul Sharif Muhammad there in Atlanta with that 10,000 fellas house. And, of course, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the, the sixth annual marriage retreat is going to be held uh, in Atlanta on August the uh, 18th through August the 21st. So that's getting in there on a on a Wednesday, hopefully Wednesday evening, so you can be fresh for the 18th, which is that Thursday. And the whole four days is going to be mind-blowing. And we're not going to have any musicians there. We're not going to have any uh, body singing to you. It's going to be word. It's going to be something so powerful that I don't think, you know, Brother Akbar came to the fourth annual marriage retreat. And he came, he said he was just going to spend one day with us. And what he found us doing and saying at the fourth annual marriage retreat was so impressive to him that he said he was going to stay the entire length of time at the marriage retreat, and he did, and he said he had never seen nothing like that in 53 years of being in the, in being in the nation of Islam at that time. And so we can only say that we have gotten much better by Allah's grace, and if you would like to log on and register and see what we're all about, Go to our website at www.themarriagekeepers.us. Again, that's www.themarriagekeepers.us, and we will be happy to receive you on that. We also available by telephone tomorrow at 770-256-8856. That's 770-256-8856. Well, I thank you very much for taking time to talk to us. I know that you are uh, busy on the road getting ready to pick up your son and have that uh, honest conversation with him about patience. <laughs> yes, of course. So may Allah continue to bless you, safe travels, and we will be in touch with you in the absolute near future. Brother James, Great. take us out with uh, yeah. that wonderful song that you have in the queue. Well, you know, family, because we are talking about love, 
you know, and, and the vital energy of love and how today we were talking about that uh, that near-perfect marriage and those keys. Well, when we get to that point that we feel that those um, keys are coming together, we start to feel like like brand new. So I felt like maybe I should play this song um, as we go out. And this is dedicated to my, my big brother uh, and my wonderful sister, Marcus and Cecilia. This song is for you.
listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. 